Tabernacle Sukkot, God with us. Dear friends and readers, my last two articles have centered on the High Holy Days beginning with trumpets, then on to the Day of Atonement and now completing this year with a seven-day feast with one extra added rest day at the end for a total of eight, known as Tabernacles or Sukkot. The speculation in all three cases is this. If Jesus fulfilled all the seminal events of his first coming exactly on the spring feast day of Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost, will he also choose to fulfill the events of his second coming on the fall biblically prescribed days known as the High Holy Days? Briefly, if in some future year Trumpet somehow fulfills the rapture of the Church and the Day of Atonement, his second coming, is there then a possibility that tabernacles will signal the beginning of the thousand-year physical reign of Christ upon this earth? Today's article examines the last of the fall high holy days known as tabernacles, which begins five days after the end of Day of Atonement. This coming Wednesday, October 4, 2017, at exactly 6.29 p.m. Jerusalem time, the candles in every Jewish home and some Christian will be lit by the mother of the household signaling the Eve of Tabernacles. Remember that on the Jewish religious calendar, the new day begins at sundown and runs for 24 hours. This feast is an annual biblical requirement according to Leviticus chapter 23 and verses 33 through 44 outline this particular feast day. There are some very interesting things about this feast day that should inspire thought and study by Christians. First, my disclaimer, this is a hotly debated subject, but worthy of mention. Many people believe that Jesus's actual birthday was on Tishri 4, about September 11th. Please remember that in those days, a calendar year of 360 days was used. The calculations by those who make this claim are derived from careful study of the scriptures, including 1 Chronicles, Leviticus 23, and Luke chapters 1 and 2. Tishri 4, this year, fell between trumpets and Day of Atonement. Also, it is believed that Jesus may probably was born during a jubilee year. You can decide the relevance of that for yourselves. This is my thought on the matter. I love to study this stuff, but if God wanted us to major on Jesus' birthday, he would have clearly spelled it out in scripture. He did not. What he did want us to major on is Jesus' sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection from the grave without which Christianity would be just another empty religion with no promise for a future eternity with God. Having said that, traditional Christmas is coming soon. Yay! Oh yeah, raised with Christmas on December 25th, and even though the Lord really was not born on that day, we, my family, still love to celebrate the holiday, but always remember that he is really the reason for the season, regardless of his actual birthday. It should be noted very carefully that when Mary was found to be with child, her betrothed husband Joseph understandably had a few questions about that. As in, say what? Uh, well, we have not actually been together yet, so how can this be? The angel Gabriel visited Joseph at that time and set the record straight, but for our purposes today, he told Joseph that the child would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, Matthew chapter 1. In the book of John chapter 1, verse 14, the apostle tells us, and the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. The word dwelt is literally translated tabernacled, God with us, of God living among us. This theme of God with us goes way back to the very beginning. Psalm 46, 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our refuge. Exodus chapter 17 sees the people in the wilderness thirsty and complaining to Moses. By the Lord's command, Moses struck the rock on Mount Horeb, and when the people were satisfied, Moses asked them a question. Is the Lord among us or not? Obviously, the answer to that was yes. One of the purposes for the eventual 1,000-year physical reign of Christ upon this earth is for him to rule and live among his people. He will tabernacle among his creation. Zephaniah 3.17 gives us a glimpse into the kind of love that the Lord has for his people. The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zechariah 9.9 repeats a similar theme, but is speaking about the moment in history when Jesus was proclaimed king by his people as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. After the second coming of Christ, he will ruin the Antichrist and false prophets day, Revelation 19.20, and then chuck Satan into a pit for a thousand years, Revelation 21-2. Judgment comes to those who deserve it, and then the Messiah, King Jesus, sets up his millennial reign and tabernacles with his people. So, of course, the outstanding question is, are we reading this correctly, and that the Feast of Tabernacles may someday correspond with his second coming? I think so, but you decide for yourselves. Now for something very interesting that is set in scriptural stone. During the thousand-year reign of the Lord on this earth, only one annual feast day is commanded. Guess which one? Zechariah 14, 16-20 is lengthy, so you can read it for yourselves. But in brief, this is what it says. Of everyone who is left, alive to enter the millennium, each and every year they referred to as both the nations and then the families must celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles to worship the king in Jerusalem. It is a command with a severe penalty if they do not come to Jerusalem to do so. If they refuse, there will be no rain upon their land. Tabernacles is very important and should be fully understood by Christians who will after all be in Jerusalem in their glorified bodies each and every year along with their king, Jesus Christ. We as Christians do not study or celebrate the seven biblically appointed times as any form of legality to obtain our salvation. We should be doing so because if something is important to God, should it not also be important to us? Should we not know and fully understand God's mind and heart regarding the manner in which these specific days affect the manifest destiny of mankind? It is kind of similar to the age-old argument about the Ten Commandments. Should they be important to Christians, or are we past all that by virtue of our salvation by grace? Well, let's see now. Number one, worship only the Lord your God. 2. Don't worship false gods. 3. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. 4. Take a day off each week. You need it. 5. Honor your mom and dad. By the way, you'll live longer if you do. 6. Don't commit murder. 7. Don't commit adultery. 8. Don't steal. 9. Don't lie about your neighbor. 10. Don't be jealous and want your neighbor's wife or other stuff. Are we Christians really beyond those basic rules? And can someone please tell me why modern society could possibly think that showing those rules to our children on the walls of their schools is unhealthy? God bless you all. Pastor Rick.